0: Well, greetings and welcome back to The Clarity Podcast, Season 2, Episode 13. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us back on the podcast, Dick Foth, our friend of the podcast on a session of Back Channel with Foth. Dick, so great to have you back with us.
1: Thanks, Aaron. There you are again.
0: I am, again, still with the white wall, with the container that's not arrived. But uh, we're looking forward to, to spending some time with Dick, and then we'll jump into our interview with Pastor Al Toledo, You um, pastors in Chicago, and we talk about the DNA of a leader. And uh, had a great time talking with Pastor Al and learned a lot from him, and uh, just a great conversation about being privately healthy and publicly fruitful. Dick, listeners sent in some questions. I got two of them here for you today. The first question is, Sometimes I notice that the longer I look around and do a certain job, engage in a certain task, I gain experience and insight. I also notice that I begin to analyze others more than I used to. How can I remain analytical um, for improvement's sake and not gain a critical spirit?
1: I think that's a very thoughtful question. And I, I think, first of all, um, Assessing things, being analytical, is, is really important. And I just need to make sure that the analysis goes both ways. That when I say, so how's old Fred Farkle doing over here? <laughs> I'm also saying, so how's both doing over here? Yeah. Um, just a couple of things in terms of analysis, critique. First of all, none of us grows without analysis, without hmm. assessment. And uh, when our friend Vern Clark was on a couple times, times, um, had this very interesting, I can't remember if it was on the program or a sidebar, but uh, he's such a strong believer in critique of performance. And there's hmm. a difference between critique of the person and critique of performance, isn't there? Hmm. And. Even- even though they may be overlapping a bit, like like a like Olympic rings, but uh, he believed so strongly in critique because he had been taught that in the military. That when he became head of the entire United States Navy, he hired three people, hired paid three people to critique him every month in certain areas. Hmm. I found that I find that fascinating. Yeah. I I pay people not to criticize me, but to critique me over against whatever standards or goals in place. Secondly, I think to understand that if we're talking about analysis and critiquing, that we need to understand that any growth, this is all about growth, mine and the other person's. I need to understand that relationship is the basis for change and growth. Hmm. third thing would be that I, I need to create a culture of development
2: hmm.
1: Burn had a has a three part uh, leadership uh, template hmm. That the first third, top third would be that I need to stay in touch with my touchstones, the people who affect my life so if I'm in missions and have contributors, partners, whatever I stay in touch with them and so forth, or the people on the team for whom I'm responsible stay in touch. The second third is how, if I'm leading people, how do I invest in their development? Hmm. Now, critique is part of that, but it also could be any range of other ways, but just the very fact that we have that discussion about how to grow big. And the third uh, piece was how's the product? Hmm. What, is, what does that look like? How do we hmm. measure that? So that would be my response to the,
0: to the analysis word. versus critiquing. Good word. Good word. Second question said, ministry is not a nine to five job. Um, you cannot clock in and you can't clock out. Um, as a young leader, how do I learn to steward my time well and not be overwhelmed with all the pressures around me?
1: yeah i would I would use the word calling ministry is a great word good word but calling has no external clock, so it isn't nine to five there there is however in calling sort of an internal clock, and I need to know the difference um, two or three things that that came to me uh in my earlier year well I'm a slow learner, so it took me a while but I need to, first of all, understand that I cannot solve all the problems. And when you're in leadership, people who knock on your door don't knock on your door. To generally, stop by and say, you know, just stop by to say, I like it. you." Know, <laughs> they, they knock on the door because something's gone wrong. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where policy manuals come from. Somebody yeah. messes up. And so we create a, a law for everybody. That's because uh, that's easiest, right? <laughs> so, calling has no external clock, and and I need to understand I can't solve all the problems. Um, second thing is that I found that most emergencies, the things that I respond to, that take my time, hmm. right, um, can wait forty eight hours. Hmm. Most emergencies, what people call emergencies, I'm not talking about heart attack in the road. I'm talking right. about emergencies can wait 48 hours, and and so it gives me a chance to think a bit instead of just react. I need to be able to respond, not just do knee jerk stuff. Thirdly, I think um, as my challenge as a young leader was uh, was my own need. I, I needed to be needed hmm. when, when I was a young church planter. I just, you know, we had 15 university students for starters and, and, and those people don't get sick you know? <laughs> and, you know, I'm sitting by the phone for somebody to have a gallbladder attack. So I would go to the hospital, and help them. You know? <laughs> so I think, I think the need to be needed gets in our way when it comes to how we, um, use our time. Okay. And and thirdly, I need to ask myself the question, is my time being based on where I get affirmation? Hmm. You know, if, if, if I need a fair amount of external affirmation in order to keep doing what I'm doing, then that takes time. Whereas if my affirmation, over time, I learn that that comes from the Lord himself, that changes how I invest or spend my time.
0: Wow. So that takes a that takes a good bit of introspection to, to be asking your question about that question about affirmation, for sure.
1: I think so. I still yeah. ask it. I'm an old dude.
0: Yeah. No. Well, it's it's a great, great question. And um, and it's a process. Definitely. We need to look forward to Dick. Always appreciate our time together on Back Channel with Foth. It's gold and um, really appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Pastor Al Toledo Um, uh, and uh, just a great time with him learning about the DNA of a leader. And you can, his resources um, can be found on the website and uh, we'll put that in the show notes. And as I walked through it, learned a lot about being privately healthy and um, publicly fruitful. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a, a new friend today. I feel like I know him because I've sat and watched uh, quite a quite a amount of his videos that he's put together, and um, just great to get to know him a little bit before we jumped into the recording. Pastor Al Toledo, so great to have you on the podcast today.
3: So good to uh, be able to talk with you, and I'm so honored to be part of a podcast like this.
0: Pastor Al, I, I've gotten a little bit, uh, you know, I do the research, so I've gotten to know, would you mind just sharing a little bit of, of who you are and a little bit of your story? Um, yeah, as I watched the videos, I got to learn that you were an aspiring baseball player and uh, quite an interesting story. Would you just share it with the audience a little bit?
3: Okay, so I am a kid from Brooklyn. I grew up in the, in the city and um, grew up on the rough side of the tracks and didn't, okay. Didn't grow up in the Lord. Yeah. And when I was 17, I met the Lord on the baseball field. Hmm. And I gave my life to Christ. And then I started to attend the Brooklyn Tabernacle. You may or may not know yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. Church, it was, happened to be 10 blocks away. And, um, you know, I, 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 was, I got drafted by the Chicago White Sox hmm. out of high school really aspired to play baseball, was the dream of my whole life hmm. but then started to feel the call of god it's a long soap opera how i ended up <laughs> in <with> the ministry <laughs> but uh, at the church the first church that i go to first church i really walk into um i really met the presence of god wow and, and experienced the word of god hmm. um and in addition to that i fell in love with the pastor's daughter wow <laughs> 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 uh, and that's a whole other story, yeah. and uh, but anyways, early on i I got my credentials with the assemblies of God, yeah,' I've been in the assemblies for twenty some odd years yeah uh, almost almost twenty eight years,
2: wow,
3: maybe twenty six, and about nineteen years ago, we were actually on staff at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, giving you a real high overview. That's good. And we felt called to come and plant the Chicago tabernacle. So we've got three kids and they're all adults now and they're all married. I've got four grand grandchildren. Congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) And about 19 years ago we came, we didn't know anyone here and we just planted the Chicago tabernacle and we built it on prayer. We've said every Sunday, that the church has been open we've said that the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week hmm. and so through prayer meetings god has answered prayers and uh, 19 years later um, we've got a building a significant building a couple thousand people people come out to pray every week well previous the COVID right <laughs> uh, pandemic uh, we do our prayer meeting online now um but we're just reopening Okay, and um, and God is even in the pandemic. The Lord has really blessed us. We've baptized people. Wow, and um, and fed thousands of people and lots of great things. We are Chrissy and I are so blessed to be here in Chicago. Our hearts are here. We have a wonderful group of people who love the Lord.
0: Wow. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, God has had blessed you. And it's, uh, it's amazing to see. And I'm, I'm honored to have you on the podcast today and, um, to be with us. DNA of a leader, you know, I'm as a medical guy, you know, that, that sparked my, um, interest right away when I saw DNA of a leader. And, um, but as I got into the, the, the videos and into the study, um, you talked about privately healthy and publicly fruitful. I think that was correct. I wrote it down. Um, But, you know, in the day and age we live, those two things seem to be pretty elusive. Um, And and maybe one, we might have one, might have the other. Can you, as you share, can you share how and why these two are are so quintessential um, for for the Christian today?
3: Well, first of all, um, what's funny about the phrase privately healthy and publicly fruitful um the Lord gave me DNA over 10 years ago. And I don't, I've never been in a setting, whether it be secular or um or Christian, whether it be across the table with some professional. I've never been in a setting that I didn't say privately healthy and publicly fruitful, that I didn't get some form of response that says, man, that's really good. I, I want that myself. In other mm. words, Down in our hearts, everyone wants to be able to say, I Mm -hmm. am privately healthy. Yeah. And I'm also publicly fruitful. Um, And yet, as you say, they're really elusive. And they're elusive because if we don't make a focused effort to pursue them, then we won't develop the value system and the decision-making habits to obtain them. In other words, um, in our world, private health competes with public success and reputation and likability, even in the ministry. Hmm. Tons of ministers feel the tension of wanting to be successful, Hmm. wanting to have a great reputation, wanting to be liked. Hmm. And there are different roads. And, you know, what I I tell a lot of young guys is that the pursuit of success can really be spiritualized. And... Hmm. It'll keep us in the shallow pools of God. Wow. You know, and as ministers, we're supposed to, deep calls into deep. We're supposed to be in the deep pools of God, hmm. the deep waters of God. Those are the best waters. Hmm. But you have to be deliberate about pursuing private health. It it makes your your values different. It makes the way you spend your time differently. It, it changes everything. It's It really is... A very profound paradigm shift that changes the way you live your life, and so it's um it's a it's a deep deep phrase. Private health and public fruitfulness are different than being publicly successful.
2: Wow,
0: that's good. And that's so, good.
2: It's so we uh, have
3: to work at it,
0: and as you say, it's easy. It comes off the tongue really quick, and oh. um and and it, you, you would think that those two short phrases would be. But it just, uh, you know, for me, transparently in, in my life, and then you see it played out, It uh, it's not easy. And as you say, it takes work, it takes focus, and um, the focus on uh, on God. You know, one of the things in the video, you talk about seductive voices, is you talk about success. And in the ministry, is it easy to give in to seductive voices that can maybe get us to success um, and not be privately healthy?
3: I would say that that is the number one battle of people in ministry. Hmm. I can say that it's the number one battle of pastors. Hmm. It's that there's this this endless stream of voices. Hmm. And if we don't have a strong altar, a strong private time with God, a stronger voice in the private place, um, then those voices just, they pull us, they guide us, they lead us. And the voice of the world is in that. The voice of the enemy is in that. Um, voices that destroy our faith. When a when a minister is not operating in faith, he just makes bad decisions.
2: Wow. <laughs> you
3: know, and you could have a really good heart and make really bad decisions based on the voices that you're listening to. Yeah. yeah. And so, cool. and that's that's where the whole private side of a leader's life in particular. Hmm. You know, can I tell you, can I say one thing? The reason that I chose the DNA of a leader is because the Bible emphatically states, like priests, like people. Whatever's mm. going on in the heart of a leader is what they act, and the spirit, it's what they actually transfer to the people. Wow. And so it's so important for us to be privately healthy because that's what we pass on. Mm. And so a spirit that is really connected to God and really free in God and really full of the love of God, that's what we reproduce. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an irrefutable reality in the same way that, you know, in the natural sense, everyone ultimately looks like their mom or dad or their yeah. grandpa or grandma. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the natural because of DNA. Well, yeah. there, there's a spiritual DNA that we pass on as well. Wow. And that's why someone who who continually listens to God's voice instead of the other voices, it's vitally important to the kingdom and to that's our good. ministry.
0: That's good. You also share that there are there are two constants in the DNA of a, of a leader. Can you share what those two constants are and um yeah, and in the life of a leader?
3: Yeah. So we break them down um with the with the phrases altar and stewardship. Hmm. And um, the way we we say this is, this is the way a person lives out their life. Okay. Um, they're two constants. Everything that we do as a child of God should be affected by our altar and our sense of stewardship. Hmm. And here's the way we break break that down. Simply stated, and remember, this is like 30 hours of teaching that we're
2: right, doing. Uh, <laughs> right <laughs> we for sure.
3: But here's what we say. Altar is from the Lord and stewardship is for the Lord. Hmm. So this is a great way to sum up our life and ministry. The altar is the place where we commune with God and receive from God. Hmm. And then stewardship is the disciplined commitment to live out our days for God, our weeks for God. And so it's really powerful because it's from the Lord for the Lord. I wake up in the morning today. I wake up in the morning. I read my Bible. I have my private time with God. That's my altar. I step into this moment, and this is my stewardship. I, what burns in my heart is that somehow I could say one thing that could encourage our, our precious brothers and sisters on the mission field. If I could say one thing to help them, to strengthen them, to bless them, then I would have been a good steward in this moment. And that is very, very important to me because I know that that is the call of God upon my life. Hmm. And so, so when your life has that kind of clarity of from the Lord, for the Lord, what's cool about that is that I don't have to work anything. I don't have to manufacture anything. That's good. I can get it. I can get what I need from God, yeah. For this day to be an effective minister, an effective servant, and that ministry, that service, that's called stewardship.
2: Yeah, that's good.
3: And so, and so, every week and every day should be from the Lord and for the Lord. And can I say this to all of my uh, missionary brothers and sisters? This paradigm shift of becoming a steward versus an owner Hmm. is an absolute game changer in the life of a disciple of Christ. Hmm. In other words, we're here in Chicago and the people who walk through our doors, they come from the, we have the craziest stories of brokenness, Hmm. the cycles, generations of absolute brokenness and hardship. Hmm. But I'm telling you right now, you teach a person to pray and you teach them, you're not the owner of your life. You're a steward of your hmm. life. Jesus is the owner of your life. When they make that fundamental shift in their minds and in their hearts, their biblical understanding says, I'm a steward.
2: Hmm.
3: My life belongs to Jesus. Hmm. That becomes the pathway to freedom and to fruitfulness. And it's just extraordinary to watch. Wow. And it and it's all throughout the the scriptures it's like well done my good and faithful servant yeah that's all yeah. about stewardship and so it's really really powerful to know that you can receive from the lord and then you live for the lord and every day it never runs out the grace of god never runs out to receive at the altar and then to live for god from that place of the altar that's as a good steward and that's the private and public
0: and that shift of that shift that you said from an owner to a a steward. Is that something that you see that that happens over time? Is that something the Holy spirit helps us work out in our hearts and lives? What does that look like? Um, yeah, I don't know if you have a story or or, how does that play out?
3: Here's what, what I would say when I got into the kingdom and then I, I became a pastor. Um, one of the things I was really asking God is Lord you know, what does it mean to win? I I spent my whole life trying to win as a baseball player. And, you know, what is it, you know, and I wanted to be successful, wanted to be gifted. And the Lord made real to me that the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of this world. In the world, Hmm. you take your gift and use your your gift and you capitalize on it and you become successful. Hmm. But the kingdom of God is different. The kingdom of God is inside out. Psalm 1 hmm. says that man is like a tree planted hmm. by a stream of water and he bears fruit in season. His hmm. leaf does not wither. When you look at a tree, you see, you know, if you look at a healthy tree, you know that there's this incredible root system underground that nobody can see. Yeah. That tree has this private world that makes it healthy and strong. Yeah, that's good. And then it has this fruit system. And so what I did is I said, Lord, show me how to raise up healthy people. Because when I stand before God, He's not going to ask me how many people we had in our church.
2: Hmm.
3: He's going to look to, did I raise up healthy people? Hmm. Did I raise up people who are really full of God and walking in the love and power of God? So here's the thing. When you teach stewardship, it's the 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 quicker we teach stewardship, and I don't mean it in a legalistic sense. I just mean like, look, Christ died for you, and now you live for Him. It's yeah. that simple. That's the gospel, <laughs> you know. But when you teach it, when you break it down and put it in front of them and say this, there's a, actually a way for you to do this. Yeah, people embrace it and they grow stewardship muscles. Hmm. Now, yes, for some people, it takes a little longer because the fight is so strong. Yeah. But those who surrender to stewardship, they just, whether it be a next gangbanger, a next drug addict, I I, I can tell you this. So we'll talk probably in a few moments about doing a stewardship map because we break this down super practically. Because for me, I've got to be able to take someone who just got out of prison and never had a dad and had generations of instability, I've got to be able to, by the grace of God, and I said, Lord, you got to give me something, hmm. that by your grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word, that person can turn into a very productive man of God, family man, father, husband, and servant in the kingdom. Wow. And so so it's incredible how I've, I've had a guy, You know, who comes from so much brokenness and tried to teach them how to do. We'll talk about a stewardship map for their week and how overwhelming it is. And watch them go from being like a almost like a a baby, a third grader doing an assignment to in six months operating at a whole new level of stewardship Hmm. because God gave them a revelation and they grew the muscles very quickly.
0: Wow. Powerful. If we could go there, you know, honestly, the stewardship map was a new, totally different new term for me. I'd never heard of it, and um, so you've brought it up. So, could you could you share, unpack that for us? What a stewardship map is, and the impact it has.
3: Sure. So, when we talk about the essentials of private health, uh, there are four. The first one is altar, right? That's your your private prayer time with God. The second one is mission, which we've kind of skipped over, but mission is the deep sense of God's vision, direction and purpose for your life. So everyone should have a sense of calling. Yeah. Um, And that sense of calling is God's dream for your life. It's not your dream. Okay. That's where it bends. Because in this world, everybody's pursuing their dream, but God has a vision for your life. God has a mission. When we yield to that, then there are these natural stewardships that flow out of that. Okay. and So So everyone has different stewardships. You have different stewardships than I do because of the call of God, because of God's mission for your life. Hmm. And we teach people, we help them to develop a a mission statement, but not a secular one. It's like, what is your best sense of God's mission for your life? And once you get that, then there's this natural outflow of your stewardships. So in my case, here's my... Real quick, here's my stewardships. Number one, I'm a husband and father. Mm-hmm. Okay, God, if I'm going to be privately healthy, I got to focus on my family. Yeah. You know, and God doesn't want me to put uh, the ministry before my family.
2: Yeah,
3: He doesn't want me to put my family before Him. Yeah, because what's best for my family is that I put Him first. But I'm a husband and a father. Then I'm a preacher. Yeah. The main way I serve our people is I preach, and so I know that that's something I've gotta, I've gotta put energy this week into my as a husband and as a father and as a grandfather now. Um, as a preacher, I also am a student because if I don't study, I have nothing to preach.
2: Hmm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got thirty people on staff, yeah. and so I'm the head of what we call the leadership team, and I run the church by the leadership team. And then I'm trying to write. Yeah. So I'm a writer. And then these are my stewardships. Yeah. And then I, I also have renewal. Okay. I've got to take care of myself. Renewal is the constant process of learning, changing, and growing. And then I got urgent tasks. Now every week, every week I do my stewardship map on Fridays for the following week. Okay. So when I um when I wake up in the morning on Mondays, I have a very strong sense of clarity regarding what I should do with my time and energy in my schedule. Good. So I make that schedule, but I do it based on what are the key deposits that I could make into my marriage? One or two. Yeah. What are the key deposits as a preacher? So your stewardships are different but if you make one or two strong deposits in each of your stewardships and you look at, you look at that over oh, the course of 52 weeks in a year it's remarkable how much you advance hmm. as a servant of God and how you advance the kingdom of God that's good and so we want to teach everyone that kind of disciplined lifestyle a okay. disciple is an avid follower of Christ mm-hmm. And so we live our everyday for the Lord. It's good. And that stewardship map is really, really powerful so that we could fulfill that 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 our God given mission.
0: And so you so you do your, you said you walk that process out on Friday so that you begin the week, then the following week with clarity. Is that is that the process that exactly. you do? Exactly.
3: So that every Friday I I prepare with the best light that I have. Now when you're a pastor, there's a right. storm that blows in <laughs> once a week. But, <laughs> and all the missionaries know this too, but the point is with the best light that I have, I plan yeah. out my week and I do it based on my stewardships. Okay. Not based on voices. Yeah. Not based on demand. What's most important to God? That's good. And I pray, and then it's easy to say no to things that are not part of my, of fulfilling my mission through my stewardships. That's good. And if I do make a decision, I know what I'm walking away from walking away from, and I know what I need to do to get back in the flow yeah. of what God wants me to do. And so it's week by week. I do it every Friday for the next week. Um, some some a lot of our folks on staff, they do it on Saturdays. Okay. Some people might do it on Sunday night, but that personal meeting, like it only takes me about 30 minutes. Mm. Um, what's really powerful is if anybody that's struggling with uh, your prayer life, yeah, if you do a stewardship map, you've got tons to pray about, it's right <laughs> in <front of> you. <laughs> and it's also a, it's it's your prayer list, yeah, you know, and so you're yeah. really focusing on the right stuff. That's good
0: stuff. Good stuff. One of the other things is I listened um, in the book and then watching the, the videos, um, you described um, being a good steward as someone who a, a executes consistently, you execute effectively, and you execute punctually. Um, can you share just some, some reasons why these three are, are integral um, for, for steward, to being a, a wise steward?
3: Okay, well, that comes directly from when Jesus says, you know, who is the wise and faithful steward who passes out the food Hmm. um, in time? You know, that whole passage of of the steward making sure that he takes care of the household. Yes. Okay. And so he talks about a faithful steward. A faithful steward is consistent. Hmm. Okay. And so I see stewardship as something that's day by day and week by week versus... Um, a big effort and then you take three weeks off (laughs) wow we see that a lot especially in young kids who even aspire to ministry they want to they want to be part of something big and it's like a big effort yeah and then three for three weeks like you don't even see them yeah i mean and that can happen in the ministry you work hard one week and you kind of really like can drag for three weeks or four weeks and i mean this is the reality of leadership, one of the phrases that we have in DNA is this, and I was, as I was creating DNA, I kept trying to simplify and make it easy and make it easy. And I felt the the Lord say, listen, stop trying to make this easy, because if it's easy, it's not leadership. Wow. And so, so there's a discipline and we have to be consistent. Faithful means consistent. Wow. What's powerful about the stewardship map? It's a tool to keep you consistent. So that's it's it, it's it's faithful. Then it says, "Who is the wise
2: steward?
3: Mm. Wise and faithful." That's where the effective piece comes in. Okay. So it's day by day, but effective means that we take the time to find out the wisest ways to execute for God. Okay. You know, we have to in baseball, for example. You're always looking to get better. Yeah. You know, you're always looking, how do I throw a better curveball? How do I hit the ball? better? how do I feel better? That's all over the world. That's what people are doing. And in the kingdom, we should we should do it even more. Yeah. We want to be wise. We want to be effective. And that takes a concerted effort. We have to be very deliberate about that. And then lastly, um, he literally says in the text at the right time. Hmm. That's where punctuality comes in. And I tell our people, punctuality equals credibility.
2: Hmm.
3: A leader, a minister—that's not punctual—they lose credibility.
2: Hmm.
3: And I—I I love a a, a, a a quote from Charles Spurgeon, who once said, "He said the lazy man cannot walk with Christ because Christ is a quick walker." <laughs> 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 That's good. That's
0: good. That is really so, good.
3: Yes. Yeah, so we've got to be punctual. We've got to be. We've got to be on it. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's important to teach our people that.
0: Yeah, That's good. It's That's a good And we word.
3: teach it by modeling it. And
0: Jesus is a quick walker, and yes. uh, for sure, for sure. You know, one of my hearts, um, uh, one of the passions that my wife and I have, is um, uh, missionary attrition and um you you share that um one of the the real war in ministry is that of attrition um, and then I also heard when you talked about your stewardship map, you talked about renewal um, that yeah. was one thing that was very important um, that you you highlighted there How does renewal or lack of renewal how does that play into this attrition and this war that for we see ministers and uh, men and women leave the ministry? And that attrition, honestly, on the mission field breaks my heart, and um, it really does. And I've seen it, and um, yeah, just how does renewal and lack of renewal, how does that play into attrition?
3: Okay, well, um, first of all, I heard someone once say that the devil will wait 15 years to spring a trap. Wow. And um, he's he's playing chess, hmm. And he wants to wear us down. Attrition means that you get worn down. Yeah. So it's day by day. It's one disappointment after the other. It's one heartbreak after the other, one hardship. It's, um, it, it's one battle after the other. Hmm. And he, Satan is trying to wear God's people down. Hmm. But we have to endure hardship like a good soldier. All of these different verses about endurance and perseverance, and that's where renewal comes in. Renewal is the constant process of learning and changing and growing.
2: Hmm.
3: There's something about learning something new about Jesus, receiving something fresh in the Word, Um, learning something new um, uh, uh, mentally and, 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 and doing something to refresh your body physically, that Hmm. constant keeping ourselves fresh in a holistic sense is really, really important. And if we don't renew ourselves, then the devil can wear us down. Wow. The resources to stay fresh are available. Hmm. Um, But again, your private life has to include renewal. Hmm. renewal is the one of the dna bases you know dna has bases yeah renewal is the dna base that is easiest to ignore Hmm. in the long run but it is by far the most dangerous see again part of the reason why we use dna is because we know that mutations yeah come from dna that's where we get that and a DNA mutation, like DNA mutation are a big reason for for many of the diseases that we have. For sure. And so, if you don't renew yourself, you can develop serious mutations that affect you, your family, and all of the people that you lead. Ultimately, yeah. the enemy can attack you and get you to leave the ministry. So, there are two, spiritually speaking, But this is also mental and physical and emotional. I think there are two standout things in the Bible that talk about the key to renewal. One is tremble, and the other is sharpen. Hmm. And um, by tremble, we talk about the fear of the Lord.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: The fear of the Lord is is what keeps us tender.
2: Hmm.
3: You know, I'm always saying tender hearts are the best ministers, make the best ministers. Hmm. And if your heart can stay tender before the Lord, you're good, man. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, we're in danger when our hearts get hard. Wow. No matter how much we get attacked, no matter how much we get hurt, if we don't let our heart get hard and if we stay tender before the Lord, I'm telling you right now, we are good. Yeah. But it takes an effort to keep your heart tender before the Lord. Hmm. And, um, you you know, I, I always tell leaders, What's your worship-like life? A hmm. lot of times we tell people to worship, and then when I when I go into a ministry event, all the leaders have their hands in their pocket, and they're looking at their phone, and they've lost their sense of wonder and awe of God. Yeah.
2: It's a good word. It's
3: you a know? good word. And so, and so, but that's dangerous. Yeah. That's dangerous because you've become familiar with what's sacred and holy hmm. and what should break you. Yeah no longer moving you it's and powerful. that's when we become prey so to me tender is very very important you know if if i can't weep over the people today like i wept over them 30 years ago something's wrong
2: yeah it's good work
3: you know it's a good work and it's god work. can keep our hearts that way and then sharpen is that whole the energy and the effort that we make to keep ourselves sharp the bible <laughs> says you know, when the axe is dull, more work is required. What is it, Ecclesiastes 10:10? 10, 10, right? But a sharp axe will get more done. Well, guess what? We're the axe. <laughs> <laughs> and so mind, body, you know, emotions, we have to tend to ourselves. And and I will say this, brother. Um, I find that when we ignore our emotions. It's very easy for our hearts to get hard and it destroys our leadership discernment hmm. and we'll be afraid to the enemy. Yeah. So if you, if someone's listening to me right now and you've got emotional baggage that you've been ignoring, please, you have access to people like Aaron. There's so many people out there that will pray with you and help you through this. Do not neglect your hurt and pain because you will pass it on. Wow. one way or another that mutation will seep through to the people that you're called to minister to
0: yeah good word and a challenging word a good word and a challenging word one last question i've i've taken more time than i've uh, asked for but this if we could just do one more question um you so list good. you list four fears that every leader must overcome And um, these, you know, I wrote these down um, as I, as I watched the videos and in the book, can you just share those, um, share those four fears and then how we can overcome them?
3: Sure. The first is the fear of calling. I think that everyone who's in um, the ministry has experienced that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, God, have you really chosen me? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, who me, Lord? I mean, think about all of the instances in scripture, yeah, um, where there's a certain unbelief, and a person can't really advance until you settle the fact That's that cute. you're called by God. And I've said this many <laughs> times if I was God, I would definitely not have called me. <laughs> But I'm not God. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, his ways are past finding out. And so, first of all, there's fear of calling. Secondly, there's fear of cost. And that's where we avoid the will of God because, of the, because we feel like the personal demand for sacrifice is too high.
2: Hmm.
3: And yes, if you're going to serve in the kingdom of God, there will be sacrifices. But I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. Number one, God will never waste our suffering.
2: Hmm.
3: He will never waste our hardship and our suffering. And you cannot give God. Anyone who gives up houses and lands and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers, they will receive a hundredfold, the Bible says, in this life and in the life hereafter. And so there's the fear of cost. Number three, which might be the biggest right now in our day is fear of men. Hmm. And that's avoiding the will of God because we're concerned about the opinions of others. And, um, uh, we have to, and that's where the voice is coming. God's voice has to be more important and we have to, and and look right now in, in our country, you know, our president signed an executive order and now it's going into law. We have this whole, um, um, there's this whole, um, stream of laws that are, that are rolling out in regards to sexuality and the transgender movement. And I know it's going to come at the church strong. And I keep telling our people, look, we will be loving. Hmm. We will love any and everyone, but we will say, I love you, but I disagree.
2: Hmm.
3: I disagree because this is what the word of God says. And we will, we will suffer whatever we have to suffer to honor God's word. Hmm. Just the way it is it's the reality we cannot give in to the fear of men and the last is the fear of failure
2: hmm. you
3: know and it's saying Lord, um, I'm not gifted enough I'm this I, and I don't I just don't want to fail and for me over the years I've always said, Lord, I rather fail trying to do your will than than not fail but avoid your will
2: that's a good word.
3: So you got to be wait, willing to fall on your face every once in a while. For <laughs> the sake of trying to honor God. <laughs> and you know what? If you're operating in faith, is it really failure? Yeah, it's, it's good word. It's, good it's word. only temporary failure. Yeah. It's, it's good all word. good. It's good. You word. know, so.
0: Pastor Al, um how would someone that, we've talked about DNA of a leader, we'll put the link in there for the, um, for the uh, book on, on Amazon, but for the video and studies, how can they access those?
3: Yeah. So um, uh, actually we would prefer if they went to the DNA of a leader website and got the book there, because if you get the book there, um, then you also get a code that gives you access to the videos. Awesome. Yeah, so if you buy the book, you get all 30, 28 videos um, come along with the book. Awesome. And and then in addition to that, there are tools if you want to subscribe. You get access to an electronic um, mission statement builder. One of the things that we do at the first class is we do our own personal assessment, which I think is really, really healthy, Hmm. of, you know, how are you doing in the different bases? It's good to score yourself, and then there's a whole library available to help you grow in those different areas. There's a stewardship map, there's all sorts of um, tools that could really help a person uh, with their ministry. But this has kind of become our chief discipleship tool. Okay. At our church and other churches, I just um, got something from a church in Wisconsin, like 3000 people, and they just, they're signing up people hundreds at a time. And and they're walking people through because it's teaching them the fundamentals of private health and public uh fruitfulness. And I think that if you want to really serve a disciple well, let's teach them what those things are. It'll it'll serve them for a long, long time.
0: It's a good word. It's a good word. And it's I went through the pro the the videos, it's challenging and it's in the introspection part of it. It's uh, and not it's something that takes uh, some time to do and then but the the reality of it it was super valuable for me and um, I, I really really appreciate it so I will put the link to the website on there um, and then people can can get the book from there and then um, get the link for the code so. Pastor Al, we normally end um, the podcast in prayer. Would you mind praying for us today that we will take um, the wisdom and insight that we've, we've gleaned from you today and um, we will apply it in our lives so that it will not just be something that we had more head, head knowledge, but um, we will apply being a wise steward um, um, and the message that you've shared with us today into our lives.
3: All right. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to... Not only fellowship together, Lord, but talk about the riches, oh God, that are found in your word. And Lord, I lift up all of my brothers and sisters around the world. I thank you for them, beautiful are the feet on the mountains of those that bring the good news and they are precious. God, they're precious to me, they're precious to you, they're precious to the kingdom. And I thank you for each and every one of them. I thank you for their sacrifice and their commitment. And Lord, I pray, Father, First and foremost, that they would all become privately healthy. God, you said that you came that we might not just have life, but have the fullness of life, the abundant life. I pray for the abundant life for each and every one of my brothers and sisters, for their marriages, for their homes. God, make them privately healthy. Make them like that tree, oh God, that is rooted strong, oh God, and may their roots go deep in you, Lord God. And then, Lord, make them fruitful as opposed to successful. God, you said that we would bear fruit that would last. And I pray that every one of my brothers and sisters could put their head on their pillow night after night, knowing that they have focused on raising up, Lord, a good, healthy fruit for your glory and for your honor. So, bless them, provide for them. If any of them are hurting, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you open up the windows of heaven? Send angels, send people, send resources, Lord, to bring healing and strength and restoration. Deliver each and every one of them from the attacks of Satan, God, and use them mightily, Lord, in their respective places. Thank you for all of them. Thank you for Aaron. Thank you for his ministry. Bless he and his wife and everything that concerns them. We love you, God, and we thank you that you're big enough to provide and to take care of all of us. So we bless you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen.